right, starting off the podcast, I've got my old pal Rosie here. Uh, he's got a, a new Substack post coming out this week, this Friday. It's a new iteration of your rankings, isn't it, Rosie? Do you know what you're doing? It's rookie rankings round two. Updated, post-draft. Updated. There are a couple changes, but for the most part, it's pretty similar, but I'm going to be talking about some different guys in this one. Ooh, oh, I can't wait to see that then. Uh, but I got Rosie here and we're doing an NFL segment. So the draft is over. Can we talk uh, about Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> Making the cow. Mean? Oh, <laughs> nice little throwback. Yeah. Good the, times. Man. Old, good times. Uh, no, we are not going to be talking about uh, just an awful final season of, of television. Instead, we are going to be creating the definitive list for the teams that can actually win the Super Bowl next year. Uh, the draft is over. Most of NFL free agency is over. A lot of the, you know, the Aaron Rodgers trade finally happened. Lamar Jackson deal finally happened. I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, Rosie, but I feel like a lot of the moving pieces of the offseason have kind of all, like the dust has settled. Like we have a good idea of who these teams are going to be next year. I think one name we're still waiting on is DeAndre Hopkins. And last oh, we heard one. is he's wanting to stay. And I don't see that happening. Um, but other than that, you're right. All the dust is settled. Uh, thank God that the Aaron Rodgers thing is over. <laughs> I was ready to be done with that. It just, it went on for so long. I'm with you. I'm, I'm happy that it's finally over, but well, who won so anyway, the trade? Who won the trade? Yeah. Oh, the Jets. The Jets won the trade because they got Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, they got Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Like you can might you might like you could compare the different assets and try and figure it out. But if you're the Jets and you haven't had a four thousand yard passer since who Joe Namath? Yeah, actually. <laughs> like, if you're a Jets fan, you're ecstatic because you finally have a competent you know, guy on offense leading the way as whatever you think of Rogers, like he makes them infinitely better than what they were last year with Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, the ghost of Mike white, like whatever. So I don't know. What do you think? I I think I'm with you. Uh, When I first saw it, it it seemed like a lot, but now that the draft has happened too, and you know, they still got their first round pick. Like they were still able to grab a guy on defense. I thought that, you know. Okay. If, if they make it to the playoffs next year, then it's going to be a great trade. Well, maybe the Jets will come up in this segment. Uh, we didn't decide how many teams do we want to put on this list. Do we want to put eight? Do we want to put ten? Like, I guess my thing is, you know what? Let's do this. Let's just keep going until we get to a team where one of us convinces the other that no, they they cannot win the 2023, 2024 Super Bowl. I like it. Okay. So what we're going to do is we are going to take turns uh, making the picks, but we're going to, you know, we're going to be talking about it. It's not going to be definitive. If, if I choose a team and then Rosie's like, actually, I think that, you know, this other team should go here. You know, I'll be open to change my mind. That's what this is all going to be about. But there's going to be a twist. Rosie and I each have one veto, just one, you know, you put your hammer down, overrule everything else that we're going to be able to use at some point. And so if one of us feels like the other person is talking crazy about some team, we're like, no, 
you're wrong about this team. They shouldn't be this high. We can use our veto and put another team there. And I think that's all the rules, right? Am I missing anything? I think you got it. Okay. So Rosie gets to go first. You get to choose who you think is top of the list, number one team that is good, that is most likely to win the Super Bowl next year. Uh, we are going to, it is a ranking. We're not just compiling a list of, you know, in any order. We are going to try and go from one down to whatever. So with that said, Rosie, who do you have as the top team to win the Super Bowl next year? Well, I think I got to go with the Chiefs. I'm sure you'll agree. I know I was on my Bills bandwagon for a long time, but, you know, they just don't. You saw last year that they don't have the ammo. Maybe uh, Dalton Kincaid can can help, but I, I think I need to see it first this season before I proclaim them as a champion. I am so pleasantly surprised right now. I figured we were going to be starting this segment off with, with a veto. <laughs> with, well, no, not with, not with a veto. I'm saving my veto. I think I already know which team I'm going to end up needing to use it on. But I thought we were going to start off with a pretty, you know, just healthy argument over the Bills because I thought you were going to be back on them. But you're going with the Chiefs. I agree with you. I think that as long as Andy Reid and Mahomes are there, I think the Chiefs are always going to be my favorite going into any season to win the Super Bowl. That doesn't mean they're going to win every year, but if I'm betting on one team, it's going to be them. Uh, they had a decent draft. I mean, you're picking last in each round because you're coming off of winning the Super Bowl, but they got uh, they got another edge rusher in the first round. They got the SMU wide receiver, uh, Rasheed Rice, in the second round. Who knows if they're going to be contributors this next year, but I like the infrastructure. I like Mahomes. They're going to win their division. They're going to win 12 or 13 games, have a one or two seed. And if you're hosting playoff games in Arrowhead in January, give me the Chiefs. I, th- I think in terms of number one teams, though, this year's kind of lacking. Like, I, I like the Chiefs. I'm not supremely confident in them. Like, maybe I was with the Bills last year. Because it seemed like the Bills were be- building a dream team with Vaughn Miller and you know, Gabe Davis is going to take a step forward. And I do think that Josh Allen's injury did put a damper in that, but none of their pass rushers on defense, and I guess we can talk about the bills later, but none of their pass rushers on defense did anything as soon as Von Miller was gone. So yeah. I think that, you know, they got a lot of holes that were, well, can you imagine going on this podcast and saying you thought Von Miller was a uh, washed? Couldn't be me. <laughs> no, it couldn't be me. <laughs> couldn't be me. <laughs> for new listeners it was me uh when he got tra- <laughs> when he got traded to the rams and then the rams famously won the super bowl i was like man that's a lot to give up for a washed von miller and i got crucified on that podcast and rightfully so because that, that take aged like milk way down uh, up to that andrew hey you got everybody makes mistakes that's what hand montana taught me all right my turn so we're going with the chiefs uh, the second team, I'll go with your Buffalo bills. I had them on my, my list going into this segment. Uh, could this finally be the year in Buffalo after all the years of heartbreak? I really like their draft. I mean, they got tight end Dalton Kincaid in the first round, which I thought was a fantastic pick. There was lots of talk that maybe he was going to go to Dallas and they picked him one pick before Dallas. And, uh, we'll get to Dallas later in this segment, but I still have questions about their ability to run the ball. 
They didn't really address that. I know. They did. Well, they got Damian Harris. They got Osiris Torrance at guard, who was projected to be a first round pick. And I I mean, that's probably like one of my favorite picks of the of the draft. Hmm. I think he's gonna be a great guard, and that is definitely a position they were lacking. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, I hand up, I fully overlooked that, but uh I hope that they can figure out the run game. That's kind of been a weakness for them in the past few years is that in the playoffs, they could, you know, down the stretch, they could get a little predictable on offense, but it's okay if you're predictable when you have Josh Allen. But as we've talked about, Josh Allen wasn't healthy last year. So if I'm banking on a healthy Josh Allen, then that makes him a threat any year. I'm hoping Dalton Kincaid can step up and be that number two pass catcher because you just haven't seen consistency from Gabe Davis or Pray Dawson Knox. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Kincaid's that guy. Uh, I hope he is. But I think even with those question marks, I, I feel pretty good about putting Buffalo in the two spot. Yeah, me too. I'm with you. Yeah? Okay. So it goes back to you for number three. Who do you have? I'm going to put the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll go three AFC teams in a row. Did you, I didn't, I didn't send you my power rankings before this, did I? I didn't make my own until just now. You've nailed it so far. I had Chiefs one, Bills two, Bengals three. So why do you have the Bengals third? I think that they were a really good team last year. Um, Not really any holes on that team, to be honest. Like maybe on defense, you don't have as many pass rushers as you'd want, but when you have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, um, I think they'll be just fine. <laughs> well, and you mentioned the defense. They addressed that in the draft. I mean, we'll see how the draft picks pan out, but in the first round, they took defensive end Miles Murphy. Second round, they took cornerback DJ Turner, and in the third round, they took safety Jordan Battle. So, I mean, they... Solid that picks. Was, yeah, that was kind of the question marks going into the draft is they needed to bolster that defense because like you said, offense are fine. Like as long as like health permitting, they're going to be a top five offense in the league. It's, and I do think you- the O-line will get healthy and improve. I mean, I know we've been saying this the last two years, but I, I do think that this year will be a little bit better. I think you're right. I think last year was kind of weird because they added all these new players and you're trying to figure out how to get everyone to gel and play really well as a unit, which I would say the offensive line is the most important, like it's, it's the position in football to where everyone has to be on the same page for it to work well. Like you've got five guys and all five of them have to be in sync for you to be a dominant unit. And if you don't have that, then it's, it doesn't matter how talented you are. You're going to miss assignments you're going to miss blitzes. You're going to give up sacks. It just, that's just kind of the nature of the game. But I'm with you. I'm, I'm high on the Bengals. I think we're going three AFC teams off the top. I think that kind of signals that it's going to take a lot for an NFC team to win this year because I just the AFC is loaded with talent. Like It just continues to become more lopsided. And I think our rankings show that. Um Any other notes that you wanted to mention about the Bengals? Uh, Chase Brown, their running back. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
He's Sneaky just a guy. Pick. Yeah. Oh. oh, I think he's just a guy. Really? Uh, he reminds me a lot of Brian Robinson last year. And, you know, for fantasy, Brian Robinson didn't do much. And it's because they're not that athletic, not that shifty. They'll hit the hole. That's what the coaches want them to do. So replacing Mixon, I think that'll be okay. Um, I'm sure it will be a committee backfield once Mixon gets arrested or whatever's happening. <laughs> Yeah, once we get some closure on that. Yeah. Um, all right. So now we go to the fourth team, comes back to me. And I'm actually going with an NFC team. So I'm bucking the trend. I am not going with the team that Vegas currently has as the second best overall odds in the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm actually going with the San Francisco 49ers. And I think biggest question mark for this team is what does year two for Brock Purdy look like? I know he's going to be coming off an injury, but I think, and and I'll say another big question mark is just how good is the defense going to be after defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryan goes and takes a head coaching job in Houston. With all that said, this roster is full of talent, both sides of the ball. And they have Kyle Shanahan, who's one of the best offensive minds in the game. So I will take that pairing of, all the talent plus Shanahan against pretty much any team in the NFC. So I've got the I've got the 49ers fourth. I got to push back, man. I, I I got the Eagles fourth for pretty obvious reasons. I don't know if there's a position group that you can point to on the Eagles or on the 49ers that are better than the Eagles. Maybe coaching. All right, definitely back. coaching. Okay. <laughs> the the least important position. <laughs> I, you you asked for a, for a position group. You're right. You're right. You're right. But I mean, quarterback is a huge issue for this team. Probably. I don't know who it is. I'd like, say thinking about position groups, I'd say defensive line. They're pretty even. You wouldn't with Bosa and um, how many sacks did that group? With the Eagles get last year? Didn't they break a record? They almost did. They were like one sack away or something for breaking a record. Yeah. I, I know Hassan Reddick went to the 49ers from the Eagles. Um, did he really? This year? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's Reddick. I could be wrong. I Someone went from the that. Eagles to the 49ers. But, you know, it's just that the whole position group, and the rookies that they brought into with the Eagles, I am more bullish on them now than before the draft. Okay, let's do the Eagles conversation now then, because they were the team that I identified that I was going to be using my veto on for whatever spot you put them in. Because when I made my rankings, I have them sixth. I have them behind San Francisco... And you're going to call me a homer, but I have them behind Dallas too. Ooh. I think I know where that, I'm going to use my veto. <laughs> <laughs> well, we haven't got we haven't gotten there yet. I think that Philadelphia they they just seem they seem like the prime candidate for a team that you look back and they were they're a massive disappointment based on the success they had the year before. Every year you have one of those teams. And you look at the Eagles, they almost break the record in sacks. I don't think they're going to rep- I don't think they're going to replicate that. 
they, for the most part, outside of, you know, the, the Jalen Hurts injury late in the season, I'd say for most of the season, like regular season, they were pretty healthy. They had some injuries kind of stack up at the end, but they managed to kind of weather the storm. But before that point, they were, for the most part, pretty healthy. And they ran an offense that was very successful, specifically with the, you know, the quarterback push in the back QB sneak. Um, I'm expecting some sort of defensive counter to emerge from some. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so too. And also they lost both their coordinators. And I know Eagles fans feel much worse about losing uh, Steichen than losing Gannon. Cause they kind of have some issues with Gannon's defense, but replacing both your coordinators is hard to do. And I just think that there's, it, it felt like everything broke right for the Eagles last year. And I'm not going to be banking on that to happen again. Didn't the Niners also replace both of their coordinators? Yeah, but I like Kyle Shanahan way more than I like the corn dog over in Philadelphia. I'll say this. Shanahan is a really good coach for quarterbacks and offensive linemen. And I think he chooses really good personnel. I do think Shanahan's overhyped, especially with the player personnel that he chooses to bring in. You know, you think of Trey Sermon and, you know, all their draft picks have not been good. And they did lose a lot of pretty key pieces on their defense, especially in the secondary. Um, So I think you're going to see a step back on the defense. I'm I'm not sure you're going to see that on the Eagles side. They brought back, I mean, when we were talking about them a few months ago, it was like, oh, yeah, they're going to lose Slay or they're going to lose Bradbury. Nope, those guys are still there. And then they brought in Keely Ringo, which was a really good pick. Well, they did lose that cornerback. He went to the Lions, right? Which one? Who's the Who's the cornerback that the Lions uh, signed in free agency? From the Eagles? From the Eagles, yeah. No, it didn't gain anyone. It was uh, Emmanuel Mosley from the 49ers. And Cam, Cam Sutton from the Steelers. Oh, I'm thinking of CJ Gardner Johnson. Wasn't didn't they get him oh, from Philly? Oh yeah, safety. Yeah, sorry. Safety. Sorry, safety. Uh, I, yeah, it, that's true. But you know, I mean, Gardner Johnson was great. I think he led the league in interceptions. Yeah, that's. I I knew it was a, a defensive back, but I got the position wrong. But I don't know, man. It just I don't. Again, and and I will I will say this. Part of it is probably some Cowboys bias, but I'd like to see it one more year from Philly because literally the year before, people were questioning whether or not Jalen Hurts was a guy. And they had a great year last year. Jalen Hurts was awesome. But am I crazy to want to see just one more year's worth of a sample size before I'm going to crown them like the team in the NFC moving forward. I am with you with Hertz. I'm not a big believer. I think that he's good enough and we'll see in two years, whether this contract is worth it. And I don't think it will be. I, I think you see that with these mid-level quarterbacks, it's not good for the team. Um, but right now, while they have their Super Bowl team, I think they will be good. And I'll take Hurts any day over Brock Purdy or Trey Lance at this point. 
comparing them to 49ers. Okay. So you're using your veto here and put in the Eagles at four. I thought you were using your veto on me. I don't know oh. how the vetoes cancel out. <laughs> can I can I suggest another team? To go fourth? Yeah. Yeah, who do you have? Don't say the Lions. The Lions, baby. No. Why not? Why not us? Do you need to ask yourself that? Why not the Lions? As a Lions fan? Like... They... I mean, their biggest weakness last year was in the secondary. All those guys are gone. And they picked up some really good free agents. CJ Gardner-Johnson being one of them. Emmanuel Mosley, Cam Sutton. I, I think that the secondary will be a lot better, but that's not even the point that even matters at this point. It's the offense with, yeah, kind of bad pick at Gibbs. I mean, actually a very Good player, bad pick. Bad I was pick. pissed. <laughs> Good player, bad pick. Exactly. And it's that, not his fault. He's going to be really good. Exactly. Hopefully they use him as a slot receiver and that will make that pick kind of justifiable. We will see. It's never happened for a running back. So I do uh, think it's funny anytime because the Lions did this and they're not the they're not the first team to do this. But I think it's funny whenever a team drafts a player that is not like a, a high value position, they feel that they have to they feel that in order to justify taking that player, they have to say that they're gonna have that player play positions that are not the position that they drafted him. Like they draft a running back and say, oh, but we're going to use him as a wide receiver. Or like this, this was an example of where it worked out great. The Cowboys drafted a linebacker known as Micah Parsons and said, well, we're going to use him as a pass rusher. And obviously that has been awesome. But it's just funny when you draft a, a position that is not like one of the most valuable positions, you feel you have to justify it by saying, oh, but they can do all these other stuff. It, it happens every year. I mean, you heard Brad Holmes saying over and over again, well, we got a weapon. We got a weapon on offense. That's what they say specifically. We got a weapon. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it works out. I mean, I don't like the picks the Lions made, but they are all good players. And you're taking an offense that was top five in the league, and I think it is being improved upon. I agree with you. I So I have the Lions in my power ranking of you know nine teams or whatever. I don't think they're fourth. And yeah, I would definitely put the Eagles there, but <laughs> I just think that you know these 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 teams that are new and they're fresh, they don't win the Super Bowl in year one. Bengals, almost, <laughs> almost. Yeah, but then that comes down to it. Like I know you have Ben Johnson, like you've got a great system, but counting on Jared Goff in late January, like. I'm I'm gonna Not have a question fan marks that. about that. <laughs> but he's made it to I mean, I hate using this line, but he's made it to the Super Bowl, so it's not like he can't do it. It's just the fact everything that you had to else stop has yourself to be, as you were saying. Yeah, yeah. Everything else has to be absolutely perfect around him. And honestly, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good on offense. Top five O line, great weapons. You add Sam Laporta, which you know, I didn't really know of. I thought them taking Laporta over Michael Mayer was a mistake, but 
seen some stuff on Laporta, I think he might be a really good tight end. So excited about that. And then Gibbs as well. You, you don't have weaknesses on offense. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the Lions are going to be good. I think I think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, they very well might win the division. But I can't put them fourth on my Super Bowl list. All right. I guess we'll have to compromise. And I'll go with the 49ers at four if you go with the Eagles at five. Fine. Fine. So I think we can just move on to six. Do you want to take the six pick? Because I feel like we just spent all this time talking about the Eagles and the 49ers. So I don't want to like rehash the, that conversation. So yeah, I'll go with the Detroit Lions. At six. Yeah. Can I make the make case, your case for, for the Cowboys? Go ahead. Can I make my case for Dallas? Go for it. So I wrote an article on the Substack that came out last Saturday morning talking about the Cowboys draft. And the title of that, which you haven't read it, I, I do encourage you to do so, was who are you and what have you done with the Dallas Cowboys? I think that the Cowboys have had a fantastic offseason and mostly because they have done things that they have not done in the past. And I'm going to sound like a broken record because I feel like I've been saying this for a while now. The fact that they went and made those trades for Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks Those are not moves that they've done in the past. The fact that they looked back and saw that they consistently have gotten killed, you know, in the run game in these playoff games. And they said, okay, well, we have never prioritized the interior defensive line. So we're going to use our first round pick on Mozzie Smith. They've never done that. And I know, you know, it's been what, 20 seven years or it's about to be 28 years or whatever since they last won the Super Bowl. I I know all the history. Believe me, I do. But the Cowboys are doing things that they've never done. And the things that they're doing now are what smart football teams do. And I look at this Cowboys team. I don't see a glaring hole at any, at, at any spot in the roster. They addressed wide receiver with cooks. They addressed having a second cornerback with Gilmore. They addressed the interior defensive line with Mozzie Smith. They're going to have, they had a top five pass rush last year, probably will this year because they have Micah Parsons and he's going to be able to run free now that they've got an actual D tackle. They addressed the tight end position with Shoemaker, which I'm actually, I'm, I'm high on that pick, which maybe I'm crazy, but I think it's, I think, I think it was a good pick. And I don't know, man. I look at this team and I'm like, I don't see I don't see a huge spot where I'm like, well, they need to figure out how to address this if they're going to contend this year. Can I tell you what I've really liked about the Cowboys in the past? Please. It's their draft. I feel like they have been one of the best drafting teams the last few years. And it's because they take guys that are falling. It happened with CeeDee Lamb. It happened with Micah Parsons. Like they, they were going somewhere else until those players fell to them. Like they were gonna go quarterback. Happened with Trayvon Diggs. No one expected him to go late in the well. second yes. round, but he did. That did not happen this year. And I don't know how I feel about that. I, I think Mozzie Smith is a good pick, but they definitely reached on tight end. 
there was a run on tight end right before the Cowboys pick. And so they just went with the next best guy. And, you know, Schoonmaker is fine. Not He's not going to add much, I don't think, to the offense. He's better than what they had. He's better than Ferguson and he's better than Hendershot. I don't know that. But, I mean, it, it's fine adding a piece just in the second round. You know, you're not... You're not keeping up with the Eagles. I'll say that. You're, you're just not. Can I okay? Can I say this about the Eagles? I feel like the past few years, it's just been this. Okay, let me think of a clean way to say this. It's just been this love fest for the Eagles draft. Like last year, it was. Oh my gosh, they got Nicobe Dean, and then they got I forget who else they got in the first or second round. Jordan it was Davis. Another, Jordan Davis. How much of an impact did those two players have last year? I think Dean was a starter and then Jordan Davis got hurt. Dean hardly played, I think. If I'm if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think he played. But as the point stays the same. They weren't the re, those two players you would list out a dozen players before you got to them as reasons why they made it to the Super Bowl. But everyone loved those draft picks last year. And Jalen Carter is probably going to be really good. Nolan Smith is probably going to be really good. But I just, I don't know. I think the NFL draft community gets, they get so caught up with kind of the community's analysis of these players that when we feel like we looked at all the mocks and we feel like someone fell 10 spots, then it's like, oh, that team won the draft because they got him. But like, let's wait and see. Because you you probably you say that the Cowboys reached on Shoemaker, and you might not like the Mozzie Smith pick. Maybe you felt like they should have taken Nolan. I Smith thought it there. was a good pick, but okay, I do think Nolan Smith would have been a better one. Probably, but how much does another edge rusher help your defense versus an interior defensive lineman? If you sit the quarterback, a lot. <laughs> But you already have Demarcus Lawrence. You already have Micah Parsons. Like you already had a top five pass rush last year. Yeah, it's just those guys aren't gonna. You want a rotation. You want a lot of guys. I mean, that's why I think the Lions, even at twelve or eighteen, the Lions should have taken Nolan Smith because yeah, you you already got Hutchinson and uh, James Houston, but it's not enough. And even with Micah Parsons and Demarcus, I mean, it's really only two guys. Well, no, they got they got Dorrance Armstrong and uh, hold on, let me pull up the depth chart. I know there's guys I'm missing. No, I, I think Mozzie was a good good pick. I think the rest of the draft, I I did not like it, and I do as much as I like the signing of Gilmore and Cooks. I think it's going to be a marginal difference. Unfortunately, they, I mean, they're they're thirty. And 33, right? That's just not <laughs> what you want to bet on, but I like the idea of it at least. They had a they had a hard time. Like, I think the problem, I think the reason you go out and get Gilmore is they couldn't find a guy to get this take the second cornerback spot last year because Jordan Lewis would come up and then he would get hurt and he was out for the year. And like Deron Bland, their fifth round pick from the year before, played pretty well, but he was also a fifth round rookie, so he made the mistakes that a fifth round rookie makes. You know, I just, 
I know I probably sound like your typical Cowboys fan, but I've liked how they've operated this offseason. And I think in a weak NFC, why not Dallas? Now we do say like a weak NFC. And after the first three teams, it's all been NFC teams. So I, I do think that that might be a little bit overblown. How great. But is that it. just a, is that just a, okay. So I think, I think the AFC is deeper, but the NFC is just way more top heavy. Like who would you say opposite, is, right? No, the, the AFC, the AFC is like really deep and the NFC is like really top heavy. I, I disagree. I think it's the, I really do think it's the opposite. Like the AFC is really top heavy and you know, the rest aren't very good. And really? I mean, I could, I feel like I could name like seven teams from the AFC that I could think of a path for them to win the Super Bowl. Whereas, getting, yeah, I don't, I don't think so, man. Like outside of, if you want to throw Detroit in there outside of San Francisco, <laughs> Philadelphia, Dallas, and Detroit, is there a fifth NFC team that you could see winning the Super Bowl? Like, are you going to put the lion or the, the giants there? Are you going to, you're not going to put anyone from the NFC South. Would you put Seattle, LA? I'd probably Minnesota, put Seattle there. Detroit or Green Bay? I think Seattle is going to be a very good team. And they might be. But I don't know. I I like the da- I like Dallas at 6. But you like Detroit at 6, which just proves that we're fans. <laughs> Hey, we don't we don't have them top five, right? I, yeah, I guess exactly. I did make an argument though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I had them top five. I had them top five in my list. <laughs> can we can we rattle off the list so far? Yeah, so we've got Kansas City one, Buffalo two, Cincinnati three, San Francisco four, Philadelphia five, and then we're arguing about six. Go ahead and take the Lions at six. We'll put Dallas at seven and I can send it to Mike McCarthy. He can put it on the, you know, put it in the locker on his whiteboard. Yeah. Oh, that's another thing that we did not touch on is McCarthy is taking control of the team. And I don't like that. I'm fine with that. I think. No, there's a reason why Aaron Rodgers was bad. And then he won two MVPs in a row. How many? There's a reason for that. How many Super Bowls did he win after? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, that's not so, the only thing that matters, Andrew. You should know this is. as a Cowboys fan. Is <laughs> no, that as a Cowboys fan, I'm telling you, it's the only thing that matters. The offense was really good as soon as McCarthy left. How about that? Is that better? It was sure. bad, but when he was there, when he left, it was the, the, really good. The offense was not bad. They were top ten in offense and defense when they won the Super Bowl. I'm talking the. The last few years, McCarthy. the last few years, yeah, if, that's what if we're talking. Unless about. you're, unless you're an all-time great, every coach runs out his welcome at some point. Like, unless you're Andy Reid or you're Bill Belichick, well, he did run out his welcome, didn't he? <laughs> even, yeah, even he did. So, like, good coaches, they end up like their their message becomes stale, and sometimes you just need a a, a new voice in the locker room. But the thing is, I think you've seen that. Like Andy Reid went on to the Chiefs and he made Alex Smith really good. You know, Dak was good for a little bit and now we've seen him. 
he's been hurt a lot. Yeah, I mean, you could blame it on that. But I, well, I do think that if you're, if you're gonna if you're gonna absolve Josh Allen of his interceptions last year because he was hurt, then I'm gonna use the injury card for Dak as well. Josh uh, Allen's peaks, I feel like, have been way higher than Dak's, and that affords him a little bit of grace. You know, the last three years, they have the exact same number of interceptions. What's like, the touchdown ratio, though? They have the exact same interception percentage. Percentage? Percentage. Yeah, but Josh Allen doesn't. He probably <laughs> you has didn't like know thousand, that, did you? <laughs> I didn't know that. That's. A, I I think that my argument against Dak in the past has been he is in the perfect situation. How how is he it was possible? not in the perfect situation last year? I'm not he talking about. No, I'm saying in the past. Sorry. Okay, okay. I'm just wanting to be sure he had no pass catchers outside of Ceedee Lamb. Yeah, he didn't. Um, <laughs> He led the league in tight window throws because none of his guys knew how to get separation. Yeah, I think CD Lamb might be a little overblown, but I I do think like hey, Amari Cooper and the best offensive line for a really long time that affords you to be great. I mean, it happened with Jared Goff. Like Jared Goff had the same thing, and he fell off because he's not that good. That, that's just the facts. <laughs> and I think that Josh Allen's different, but I don't know how we got on that. <laughs> it all comes back to Josh Allen. Yes. I'm surprised Daniel Jones hasn't been mentioned yet. Oh, there he is. Speaking okay. of seven. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah, you can have the lions at six. I was but... going to say since the Cowboys beat the lions last year, I feel like it would be okay. If the Cowboys, it's okay. Six. We can put it, we can put them at six. Okay. I'll take it. I do think the Lions are a better team. <laughs> Dallas at seven. Is that right? Yeah. Um, at he, eight, what? I'm not going to win put this. Someone else, if you put someone else above Dallas at seven. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. I, On my personal list, though, I would probably have the Chargers after the Lions. I didn't have the Chargers in my top nine. Can, can I clarify something? Sure. This is who we think is going to win the Super Bowl, right? Yes. Not who is the best 10 teams, correct? How how is it different? Because <laughs> my argument for the Chargers would be if they figure it out, they will be a top 3 team. Okay. And, you know, I think they have a low floor because they're the Chargers and they charger it up all the time. But if they stay healthy <laughs> and knock on wood, they don't have an idiot at offensive coordinator. And I know how you feel about Kellen Moore, but I guarantee you he is a billion times better than what they had before. <laughs> He's a step up, but. Chargers fans don't think that Kellen Moore is going to be Kyle Shanahan. Don't don't expect him to be the savior. He's going to make I, I agree he's going that. to make stupid play calls. Yes, but yes, he is much better than who they had. I do think the Chargers have some insane upside. Just because of Justin Herbert, I think Justin Herbert's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They were a team that I considered putting on my list, 
but I left them off just because one kind of because of how I feel about Kellen Moore two because how I feel about their head coach and three, like kind of the argument against the lions. Like I need to see them make the playoffs. Like That's I, fair. I need to, I need to see it first before I can say, yeah, this team could win the Super Bowl. And maybe Herbert's that good. Maybe Herbert, you see kind of a, a Bengals from two years ago where you look up and you're like, holy crap, the the Chargers are in the Super Bowl, just like we were with the Bengals two years ago. But I need, personally, I, I'm going to need to see it first. That's kind of where I fall. I just think that might be a little bit more likely than the Cowboys making it. Like I, I can see the Chargers in the Super Bowl more than I can see the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. Even though I think on the surface, if I was ranking these teams, I'd probably have the Cowboys higher. Who is is it going to? Are the Chargers going to Charger more than the Cowboys are going to Cowboy? <laughs> Good point. Let's put the Cowboys. And how how do those fit on the scale? How do those fit on the scale of the Lions going to Lion? You know what I mean? Let's rank brand new Lions, these. man. <laughs> Something changed when they beat the Packers last game of the season. So you think the Chargers should be eight on this list? After the Cowboys? Yeah. I would say that, yes. Yeah. Man. So I had two teams ahead of the Chargers. Because I ranked nine. And I think I have the I think if I added a temp team, it'd be the Chargers. I had the Jets ahead of them. And I had the Ravens ahead of them. Talk to me about the Jets. The the team is full of talent, good young talent, both sides of the ball. They crushed the draft two years ago. We'll see how their draft ends up this year. And I mean, that's kind of the same thing with the Eagles. You know, everyone loved Brees Hall and um, uh, who was uh, Sauce Gardner? No, Johnson, oh. the edge rusher. Everyone was like Jermaine oh, Johnson. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. And he's been really bad. <laughs> so, yeah, but then they he got Sauce Gardner pick. and Garrett yeah. Wilson. You know, that's true. So I just think they have good young talent on both sides of the ball. They add Aaron Rodgers to that, and we, I mean, you watched like Mike White looked like Patrick Mahomes for those like three weeks of the season last year, and we were all thinking like, man, if they just got like a legit quarterback in here. They'd be really good. That's and just white lightning, man. <laughs> now they have Aaron Rodgers. Whatever you think of him, like you said, two-time, you know, he won before last year. He won the last two MVPs. I don't see how, like, it, I don't know. If we're talking about teams that can win the Super Bowl, if the if we look up in February of 2024 and the Jets are hoisting the Lombardi Trophy, it would not surprise me now in may it would surprise me just because aaron did it when he was younger but he couldn't do it when he had two mvps i just don't know i don't think we're going to get back to that i think you see with these old quarterbacks as soon as they start to fall off like it's just really hard for them to get back to where they were and I think we're going to see like a, a mid-level quarterback again. So Which sucks my, for my fantasy team, but. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, so let's recap where we're at so far. So we got Kansas City 1, Buffalo 2, Cincinnati 3, San Francisco 4, Philadelphia 5, Detroit 6, Dallas 7, and you want the Chargers to be 8. And you want the Jets to be 8. You can put the Chargers 8. Are you cool with the Jets at 9? I'd much rather have the Ravens. Um, man, I... I also want the Seahawks in it too. I I think that they had an incredible draft as well, getting Witherspoon um, and JSN. It's going to be a really good team, I think. Do you think they're going to be better? Do you think they have a better chance of winning the Super Bowl than the Ravens or the Jets? Not the Ravens. Um, and this is why the... Uh, Super Bowl conversation like impacts me because I think Lamar, if he can get back to where he was as an MVP with a new offensive coordinator and finally, even though I don't like Zay Zay Flowers, at least some weapons that he didn't have at all last year. um, I just think that they have a better upside than the Jets do. And I like the Jets. I no, they will make the playoffs. I I know they will. It's just I don't really see them going very far. I I don't see them matching up with the Chiefs or the Bills or or the Bengals. I I don't see it. But with the Ravens, I can see it. I don't think it'll happen. That's why they're this low. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so let's see let's see if we can round this out. So. You want to put the Ravens at nine? Chargers, Ravens. Chargers at eight. Ravens at nine. Yeah, I'd be okay. Okay. I think the Jets should be ahead of Seattle. I can see it. I I, I can. So let's put the Jets at 10 and Seattle at 11. Right out. Any other team that should be mentioned? You could mention the Dolphins if you really wanted to. I don't. <laughs> I don't either. Um, I think I'm good with the AFC East. I'm no team from the... I mean, maybe... I feel I feel a team that's being left off here is probably Jacksonville. They're, uh, I've seen them in a lot of top tens. I don't really understand it. Their defense is pretty awful. Um and their offense. Who did they, who did they draft last year? Let me see. Last I'm year, look it up. Like or this, like this most recent draft. I'll look it up. But you yeah, don't really understand. Don't know, actually, <laughs> I don't either. So I just don't know Tank Bigsby. People having really. them um, top ten. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like Trevor Lawrence. I do think he's a very good quarterback. I I have to see him take the next step for me to put him in this conversation though, I think in the conversation of top 10. Um, and as much as I like Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk, they don't, they don't sniff these other teams in my opinion. I do like Evan Ingram for, for them. I thought Ingram was good last year and I almost view him as a wide receiver. He's not really like a blocking tight end. He's just like a pass catcher, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think he has a nice, element to that team um their draft picks in the first four rounds 
Uh, they, it was actually five picks. They had two picks in the fourth. Uh, Anton Harrison, tackle from Oklahoma. Uh, Brenton Strange, Fine. tight end from Penn State. Gross. Tank Bigsby, running back, Auburn. Uh, Can I say something about Tank? Please. Uh, going into the draft, he was one of my favorite running backs. Can I make actually? Can I make the call? I'll make the Wait. call here oh. first. Oh, you're making the call. I'm making the call. By the end of the season, Tank Bigsby will take over for ETN as the main running back. You are such an ETN hater, man. I sure am, and I but I love Tank Bigsby. I I think that I, I hate man. to say this, but these running backs that hit the hole, um, the coaches like him better than ETN or Swift or all these other guys. You saw Jamichael Hasey. Towards the end of the year, Etienne is so electric, though. I don't think that he—he's very fast, and I just don't know if that gets you very far as a running back. That plays well right in team. a Doug Peterson scheme, though. I don't think it does. That's the thing. I—I I don't think it does. You saw with Miles Sanders how explosive he was when he wasn't hurt. He wasn't being used as much as you know people would like. How much like did me. they overlap? Sanders and Peterson. Uh, I thought they two made... years of Sanders' career. I think was it because yeah. I know Sanders wasn't on the Super Bowl Super Bowl team. I actually I looked that up the other day because I was curious. Um, Maybe I'm just completely see. off base here. No, I think they did have some overlap, but I just I know for sure he wasn't on the team in 2018 that won the Super Bowl. So no, he was. Yeah, no. his rookie season was 2019. And that might have been Doug Peterson's last year. Did he last one or two years after? Hold on. Let's see. He was 2020. So he got two. They had two years of overlap. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Which 2020 season, he uh, Sanders only played 12 games. Oh, there's a beautiful rainbow outside. (laughs) Wow. Was it raining in good old Abilene? Yeah. That's nice. very pretty. Okay. So we had, who did we have 11th? The Seahawks. The Seahawks. Okay. Yeah. I don't think anyone else should be mentioned. Who is winning the NFC South? Uh, the Saints. They're probably my third favorite to win in the South. Over Atlanta and Carolina? Exactly, yeah. As much as I don't think the Falcons are good and they would never even sniff my Super Bowl list, there's absolutely no way that they are making it to the Super Bowl. I do like their team. I think they have a good roster. At this point, and especially on offense with the line and Bijan, that's going to be one of those teams that if Desmond Ritter can play like a mid-level quarterback, they're going to have a, like a, a Titans-level offense, I think. And that's where Arthur Smith came from. So 
And I think Bijan's good enough to be that Derrick Henry level force factor for them. Hmm. But okay. I would take the Panthers just because I love Bryce Young. <laughs> I think Bryce Young's great. Okay. Well, let's end it there. Did you have any other notes about these teams you wanted to get off your chest? I mean, I feel like we didn't talk a lot about the Ravens, but I think they got Lamar Jackson locked up long-term. I can't believe it. Wow. OBJ did it. (laughs) OBJ did it. (laughs) Uh, They got Zay Flowers in the draft, which I love. And they might, I mean, I think, I think they're going to be really good this year, especially in, I mean, they're going to have the Bengals in that division, but the Browns will see Steelers. They'll be 500 because it's Tomlin. But I think the Ravens deserve to be in that top 11 that we mentioned, but we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about them. I think a lot relies on Greg Roman. Oh, wait. No, it's He's not He's not Roman there anymore. Yet. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's another reason uh, why I'm high on them. They don't have uh, Roman anymore. It's Muschamp who's there now. Is that it? Yeah, and the thing is he's failed as an offensive coordinator. In no, the it's uh, 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 Monken. Todd Monken. That was close. Yeah. I think a lot's going to rely on him. We'll see. Yeah. And Broncos. I think with them, I think with them, it's just, can they stay healthy? Cause they are always up near the top each year of like snaps lost due to injuries. So we'll see. You say the Broncos. What do you think? I think they'll be competitive. But, I mean, I think they're going to be competitive because they have Sean Payton. But I keep that's forgetting the, that he got hired by them. I know. I think they'll be. I think they'll be a better Super Bowl pick the following year after they trade Russell Wilson. Who's going to trade for Russell Wilson? Some team. I don't know. <laughs> I think probably the Colts. I think they're going to give Wilson one year with Peyton. And if it doesn't work out, then they're going to move on from Wilson. Let Peyton pick his quarterback and go from there. Sell, sell, sell. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do think the Giants might have a chance too. I don't hate it. I mean, Dayball is awesome. Yeah, he's a very good coach. Um, Daniel Jones got Waller, I guess. <laughs> don't really like <laughs> Jalen Hyatt at all. Um, I think Hyatt is a watered down version of of John Ross from back in the day. Even though Hyatt didn't even run that fast, like I think he ran the four or fives or something. Yeah. I think Jalen Hyatt is like all those Baylor wide receivers from the Art Bryles days. Like, they're not NFL. Isn't Art Bryles the coordinator there at at Tennessee? I don't think so. I think he's at like a a pretty small school because it's the only place that would hire him because he was up in Canada for a few years. Huh. Um, I just typed in Art Miles, and that's not the same guy. I don't know if you knew that. Is it a porn star? No, it's just like the thing is like an art, artist or something, which is funny. His <laughs> name was Art, but uh, no, yeah, Art Bryles is the current head coach of the 
Guelfi, Firenze, and the Italian Football League. Arrivederci, man. <laughs> Arrivederci. Sick him. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Um, Are we waiting yeah. on Austin right now? No, no. We'll take a break. Oh, okay. And then Austin's going to join me, and we're going to talk about the Rangers. I was about to say, I might drop a little tidbit of the rankings. His boy A-Chain? Yeah. Go ahead. I have A-Chain at 11. On this Where did list. you have him before? Do you have that? Or I can pull it up real quick. I do quick. have that. I had him 15th. Okay. I loved the Miami landing spot. Uh, that is the only place that he could go <laughs> that I would have loved. Yeah. Uh, I know there's talk of, you know, Dalvin Cook going there, but I mean, give me I'll a speedy running back in Mike McDaniel's offense. Like, sign me up. <laughs> yep. It yeah. really is a match made in heaven. Uh, but, you know, as I was saying earlier, these really fast running backs who just have speed don't really do well. So you'll have to break a trend. I guess we'll see if you will. All right, that's going to do it for the first chunk of the podcast. When we come back, Austin's going to be joining me. Uh, both him and I have just been locked in on the Rangers this season, and they are still in first place in the AL West, which is crazy. And this is just going to be kind of a notebook dump for Austin and I. We've got all these notes and takes and observations about our our lovely texas rangers that we just got to get off our chest so we're going to do that right after this all right coming back i've got austin with me and we're going to be talking about the red hot texas rangers but before we do that i'm going to tell you guys about our friends over at liquid iv and we love liquid iv here you know i'm not just I, I don't just want to read from a, a script of all the different, you know, key terms and things that I need to say, because I think Liquid IV is awesome and y'all should definitely try it. And we're going to do something different. We're going to do a little ASMR ad read. So <laughs> if you can hear here, this is the sound of me opening up a water bottle. I'm going to have just a little sip to get the water levels down just a tad. Okay. So then... Do you hear this little packet right here? It's a nice packet of the, I've got the Tropical Punch Hydration Multiplier from Liquid IV. I'm just going to. Oh, it sounds so tropical. Yeah. Just open that up. Hear that? I got it nice and open. We're going to hold the water bottle just right next to it. Dump that just delicious goodness, that hydrating magic. There's so many things right in could, there. So many things I could say right now. Nope, this is just an ad <laughs> read. I'm gonna screw that, and then you see, you oh, hear yeah. that right there, shaking up that liquid IV. It is delicious. It's hydrating. It hydrates you twice as fast as water alone. It's got three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks, and you can go try liquid IV today. Use code MTC, and you get twenty percent off. So go to go try Liquid IV today. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com. Use code MTC at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code MTC at liquidiv.com. All right. That was something. 
<laughs> we're trying to do something different for our buddies over at Liquid IV because it's a great company, great product. We're happy to be partnering with them and I'm feeling thirsty. So I thought what better than, you know, to sip on some Liquid IV as we talk about something that will make you thirsty, the scorching hot Texas Rangers, Austin. <laughs> they are. You like that transition? That was nice. That was, you've been doing this for a while, haven't you? <laughs> Uh, there's lots to talk about with them. What's, where do you want to start? The floor is yours. All right. So, you know, we opened kind of talking about the defense, like if uh, back in our first, like whatever pod, like three weeks ago or something. Yeah. We were talking about the defense because the defense had been great. And then it seems like ever since, you know, you kind of saw glimpses of it before the Yankees series, but you know, outscoring the Yankees, what, like 28 to four or something, something insane, like yeah. has me wanting to just talk about this offense, you know, for a little bit, you know, they're second in the league and run differential. They're first in runs per game, second in total runs. Like it's, I mean, we knew the offense was going to be good. The Rangers have always been able to put up runs and I'm not sure what, the numbers are compared to you know past seasons, but it's the highest. I mean, it's the most runs that the Rangers have ever scored through 30 games in the franchise's history, and it's the most scored through 30 games in the MLB since 2000. And Jeez. so, just historic numbers from the Rangers' offense this season. And, you know, the Angels put up eight runs on us. Last night? Yeah. And we doubled it. But we scored 16, so it didn't matter. <laughs> and so it's like, and you couple that with it, and we'll talk into the pitching and all that stuff, even in the bullpen and all that. But, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, they're the Kansas City Chiefs of baseball <laughs> right now. You know, like you can give up 30, but if you score 40, you're going to win. And that's just kind of been their MO, you know, over the past couple weeks and it's been fun to watch you know you wonder what the rule implications have had on you know like what the rules have to do with how the rangers are scoring but the fact of the matter is this is just entertaining baseball like my dad calls baseball organized rest that's what he called it <laughs> and not so anymore this is i mean there were 24 runs scored in the final game of that Angels series. So, like, I just don't know how you can call it that anymore. But this Rangers offense has been electric. There's no signs of them slowing down. They're going to improve, you know, here in a little bit when they get somebody certain that we're going to talk about coming back. Mm. Um, and it's just been, it's been exciting baseball. I've really, like, I watch regular season Rangers games over NBA playoffs. That's where we're I, at. I couldn't tell you what's going on with the NBA playoffs right now. Like, if there's I can a Rangers game, I have it on. The Mavs aren't in it. That's all I know. Yes. So that's all I know. I'm rooting for Denver. That, I know that. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned first in runs per game, second in run differential. Uh, it goes beyond that. They're third in OP. And the, the entire team is third in OPS. Oh, nice. The entire team is fourth in batting average. Here's a few stats from the great Jared Sandler. Uh, he's on the radio broadcast. He's a great follow on uh, Twitter because he posts all sorts of stats and stuff uh, since he's on the broadcast team. But he has this tweet. Uh, How have the Rangers dealt with Corey Seager's absence over each player's last 20 games across Major League Baseball? The Rangers across all of baseball, not just the American League. The Rangers own four 
of the top 21 OPS figures. <laughs> They've got Haim at 1,000, Garcia at 988, Simeon at 981, and Duran at 964. Ezekiel thing, Duran, the backup shortstop. Ezekiel Duran. <laughs> at 964. Hashtag no longer a backup. Was it? Isn't league average like 700 or something like that? Or like I think so. 700 somewhere they there? have... So there's a, let me see if I can pull it up. I heard it on a different podcast today, but there is a statistic and it's OPS plus, and it basically Mm. makes OPS like the, the starting point is league average. And so every, like if you're a hundred, then you're a hundred points above league average and OPS. If you're a hundred and a OPS plus, and I don't know if I can find it. I'll see if I can find it as we go through this, but uh, the Rangers have, I think, eight players that are over a hundred in OPS plus. Huh. Which is you, you have nine batters a night. It's insane. <laughs> That's crazy. And the fact that they're doing all this here's some here, okay. So here's some other offensive stats for you. Uh, the Rangers are the only MLB. And this this is kind of cherry picked, but I think it still speaks to a, a larger point. This is also from Jared Sandler. The Rangers are the only team in major league baseball who, if you break the lineup into thirds, rank in the top five and on base percentage for each third. <laughs> so the top three, so top third on base percentage of three sixty five, which is fifth middle third on base percentage of three forty, which is fifth and bottom third three twenty nine, which is fourth. They're That's also amazing. Most most innings of five plus runs in baseball. Uh huh. I saw that one. Rangers have ten. Tampa Bay has eight, and no other team has more than six. That's amazing. Ten. Like they had one just the other night. Yeah. yeah. And they've played thirty three games. Mm-hmm. So every third game, they're putting up a five spot in an inning. Mm-hmm. We like the squiggly numbers. We, we do. Like the, we like the big squiggly numbers better. We do. And you mentioned this. Let's talk about him now. They're doing all this without Corey Seager, who, whenever he went down with his hamstring injury, was batting 359, 469 on base percentage, and 1,007 mm-hmm. OPS. He was oh. one of the hottest bats in baseball. Oh, and did I mention he's starting his rehab assignment on Thursday? Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Oh, I'm ready. I'm so ready. I just I'm I'm running out of praises for the offense. What was because that? Because you sent me a tweet. I'm gonna go look for it. Oh, about the lineup. Yeah, the lineup. Oh, so yeah, no, I sent you this. Oh yeah, it's the it, seven. So the top seven all have an OPS of over 800, except for Nathan Lowe, who is 775. Whenever so like, Seager comes back. Yeah, when Seager comes back. So like they're seven deep. And then you take into account Jankowski, who's been a pretty big surprise this year. And Tavares, who's been swinging the bat really well lately. And you honestly, know, like I'm eating my ro- words, but Grossman has been really good as of late. A couple timely homers, too, from he's him. Got like, he's got like an on-base streak of like 16 games or something. It's pretty insane. Ezekiel Duran is up there, too, as far as... Mm-hmm. On base street goes. 
I mean, like, I man, knew, this... I we knew they were going to score. They score runs every year. Uh, yeah, I just don't know if I've ever seen it of like this magnitude. I think that the impressive thing is the fact is is the way they're scoring runs. Like in the game against, it was the second game against the Angels. Uh, so they lost game one and then they won game two and they won 10 to one. And if you'll remember, it was like three, nothing going into the ninth. Uh huh. And And then then they they scored, they they hung it on them. They scored like seven runs in the ninth inning or something. Uh They didn't have, so they were up three, nothing going into the ninth and they didn't have their first extra base hit until the ninth inning. So this, this team wins in. Like they just get hits. Like they just hit bloops to you know right center, you know just over the head of the shortstop, you know or the second baseman. I mean it's like Marcus Simeon leads the team in hits with thirty eight, and he's tied for seventh in the American League. And the plate discipline has been good too. Like they're drawing walks. Yeah, you know I mean they've been more they've been more patient. Like I mean last night, just I was watching, you know one of Adolis Garcia's at bats, and I mean. Last season, he swings at you know those last two pitches ten out of ten times, and mm-hmm. you know he draws the walk. I know I mean, exactly what pitches you're talking about. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's been, you know, it hasn't all been home runs. Yeah. You know, and that's been a nice because I mean the Rangers have always hit bombs, and so but this just, you know, and that's how you get, you know, big squiggly numbers is just base hits keep the bases full. Yeah. And cycle through, and that's just what they've done up to this point. And so the Rangers have five players with double digit extra base hits so far this year. Hmm. You have Simeon, Lowe, Garcia, and Young, all with 14, and then Jonah Heim with 13. So it's like, I mean, it's just this this team is doing it all. And I think if you would, if you went into this year, you would have said, okay, yeah, they're going to get production from. Simeon, they're going to get production from Seager. They're going to get production from Garcia, but who else in this lineup scares you? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Jonah Heim is, has arguably been the best catcher in the American League this year. Mm-hmm. Josh Young won AL Rookie of the Month for April. He's dipped a little bit, but he's still great. You talked about you know strikeouts. I'd say that he's probably the one guy in the lineup you'd like to see him get that K rate down a little yeah, bit. He like went one for six last night. Like struck out twice. But. He's got quite a bit of strikeouts. He, uh, let's see. He's got, yeah, he's got 42 strikeouts on the year. Home runs. Leads though. the team. Next up is Garcia with 30. So he's got 12 more than oh, gosh. the Oh, gosh. And that just comes with experience. You know, he, absolutely. He played, how many games did he play last season? Oh, oh it was 20 like 20 to 30, yeah, maybe. It wasn't a lot. Yeah. He he'll, played. He'll, he'll adjust. Uh, he played twenty six <laughs> games. Yeah, last year he'll adjust. You know, mm-hmm. it's been, and you know, I've been also really surprised. You know, they've gotten a lot of the production. You know, a lot of times, you know, you get two outs, and it's like, oh well, the inning's almost over, and just the amount of two out runs that they've been able to generate throughout the season. I don't know. I don't have a statistic for it. This is me just eye test, but the two out rallies have been something that's really stood out as well yeah. as the season's gone on. Well, and this is one I don't I don't have stats to back this up, but doesn't it feel like a lot of times this year they'll have an inning where the leadoff guy gets out 
and then they'll score like four runs. Like it's, I forget what the stats are, but it's like if the leadoff guy gets out, then your chances, like if the leadoff guy gets on, then your chances of scoring that inning is like 90%. And if the leadoff guy gets out, then your chances of scoring is like thirty percent or something. It's like a, it's a, I I forget what the exact numbers are, but I remember it. It's it a was, big, it's a big change. It was like a sixty percent swing based on if the leadoff guy gets on or not. But I feel like they've had that happen a lot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, man, I just this team's been it's been so good. Like here's another stat from Jared Sandler: they've been one of the best two strike hitting teams in baseball. They've been their batting average and two strike. Uh, counts compared to ML or compared to the MLB ranks, they're fourth in batting average, second in on base percentage, fourth in slugging, and third in OPS. I wonder what like Nate Lowe's stats specifically because I've seen him two. Str- I mean, he, he takes you know consistent seven, eight, nine pitch at bats. Like the, the dude's just a hitter, he is. He's got like, a nose, he's not for anything, it. he's not even anything fancy, he just knows how to put the barrel mm. on the ball, you mm. know. They've done the entire team has done a really good job of fighting out of you know o two one two holes this season, to yeah. to jack the pitch count up. It's been really nice to see, and I think a so, lot of that's on that's the the Boach effect. Mm-hmm. So okay, let's let's talk. Let's finish up talking about the lineup, and then I want to move towards you know pitching and some of the other talking points. Yeah, we here. haven't even gotten to pitching yet. <laughs> no, uh, Josh Young. We talked about him a little bit. He AL Rookie of the Month for April. He has an 808 OPS. He's got eight home runs and 24 RBIs. Mm-hmm. Like he just is. He's, and, a du- like, he's a dude. You want to talk about defense? Yeah. <laughs> he's been holding down the hot corner, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, there, he, there have been a couple plays when you know he has to go. I mean, he has to reach over. And I mean, yeah. I'm just like, how did how did you grab that? He has been, we all expected big things from him this year, but no one expected Mm -mm. this sort of production just right out of the gate. You know, he's been in a really bad lull the past few games and he's still batting like 265. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the first game after being named rookie of the month, he gets two home runs. Yeah, He's got multiple, (laughs) multiple home run games this season. I think he's got two, two or three. (laughs) It's absurd. Uh, Adolis Garcia, always electric, had an eight RBI, three home run game. That was fun. Yeah. He went like four for five that game. He also has, he's one of the best outfielders in, uh, like outfield assist going back to like, you know, I think going back to the start of last year, you don't run on him. He's like, he's like, I want to say he's like second in the American league or second in the major league and run assist going back to last or an outfield assist going back to last year behind uh, Hunter Renfro mm-hmm. from the angels who we just from, saw from the Raiders. Oh no. Who am I thinking <laughs> of? Who's Renfro from the angels? They call him Hunter Renfro. Like his name is Hunter Renfro. Oh yeah. Okay. So Hunter I was Renfro. right. Okay. You are right. No, you're yes. right. You're right. <laughs> me thinking I got it wrong. Yeah, no, that's but correct. He's been great. That and- bullet to home that he had the other day. Oh, Oh, it was nice. <laughs> oh man, it was I know. nice. <laughs> I know. Uh, and we got to spend a little bit more time on this guy, but Ezekiel Duran. I could talk about him all day. <laughs> the shift my- from Josh Smith to Ezekiel Duran has changed the lineup drastically. I mean, Josh Smith was batting like one eighty five, so obviously, yeah. But 
I mean, he, his his hits are timely. He's not a. I mean, he can hit the long ball, mm-hmm. but like you said, his on base streak I think is like somewhere around seventeen games, along with uh, what Simeon. It's something insane. And I mean, he's just been a big part of those big innings that we've talked about. You know, it's been started with a you know Duran single. Or, you know, a Duran double, or he's been on base and like scored from first. You know, he's just a big part. He can do it all. He's a wicked athlete. I hope that opposing pitchers never stop doing this, but I don't understand why opposing pitchers keep throwing him fastballs down and in. Mm-hmm. Because he scoop raked that homer yesterday when like mm-hmm. 440. And like eventually pitchers are going to adjust and they're going to learn. Okay, if we could throw him a breaking ball away, he's not really going to be able to hit it until he proves that he can. That's kind of his weak spot. But I don't know if they just don't have a scouting report on him and they're not paying attention, but they keep throwing him fastballs in mm-hmm. and he's treating it like batting practice. Yep. It's amazing. And, and I love it. I mean, it's Surprise. so entertaining. Surprise of the season. I mean, it is the best case scenario if you're if Corey Seager goes down. Like, I mean, this is all we could have asked for. From a replacement shortstop. I mean, you lose your best hitter and the offense literally hasn't missed a beat. I think he's actually, I think he, doesn't he have a better average than Seager? Like, oh, that's a good question. I can't, um, you said Seager was batting 359. I thought I saw somewhere Duran was batting no, 365. He is since Seager went down. Oh, but he had some. His average for the year is 318. Oh, okay. So Seager still hasn't beat. Okay. Um, yeah, oh, Seager, he's Seager only has batting. the best average on the team at 359. He's only batting, you know, 318. Yeah. yeah. No big only. deal. Your backup Rangers is batting 318. The Rangers only have, you know, five players batting over 300. <laughs> Shout out Travis Jankowski at 313. Love that guy. Leody Tavares raising his average to exactly 300. You'd did you love know, to see it. Did you know Skyler Herndon at Harden Simmons? No. I'll send you a picture. He looks exactly like Travis Jankowski. I was an RA in college. And <laughs> I mean, he's like this long haired freshman who liked to paddleboard. And, <laughs> and Travis Van, Travis Jankowski fits, looks, like, yeah. looks like he likes to paddleboard. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to be able to think about when I see him and be like, I bet that dude likes to paddleboard. <laughs> yeah. I'll send you, I'll send you a pic after the pod. Yeah, you should. Uh, you want to talk pitching? Let's talk pitching. Uh, Nathan Yavaldi, he's been pretty good. He's been amazing. It's <laughs> been, it's such a gift to watch. DeGrom goes down with an injury and then Yavaldi decides to throw a complete game shutout against the Yankees and then eight shutout innings in his following start. And he has now thrown 20 consecutive innings without an earned run. Do you have that stat that you sent? Jack Flaherty, right? I have it right here. Oh, I don't. Go ahead. The first time a pitcher has had back-to-back starts of eight-plus scoreless innings since, since Jack Flaherty for the Cardinals in September of 2019. And the last time it happened in the American League was Dallas Keuchel in June of 2015. Which Dallas Keuchel won the Cy Young that year, I think. Yep. That was when he was just dominant. That was that was a pretty crazy season from him. Yeah. Although but if yeah. I remember, there was a game in like August of that year where it was in Arlington and the Rangers scored like six runs in the first inning on Keiko mm-hmm. mm-hmm. in the year he won the the Cy Young. That was their only look that up. 
I think was that 15. I think it was. Uh, hold on. I, I'm. 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 Now I'm curious if my yeah, it's memory 15. is really that good. I gotta admit. Did he win the Cy Young in 15? I can't remember. Okay, I'm gonna look it up. I my mid, my mid 2010s Ranger fandom was subpar. I must admit, and it's because I didn't have access to watching them. Shout out Bally Sports. Shout out Bally. Join in he, the lawsuit. We should talk about that sometime. Let's see. He won the Cy Young in uh, following following 2015 season. He won the American League Cy Young Award. So was that? Does that mean this 2016? Yeah. No, following the 2015. No, this said no, no, no. Sorry, this says June I'm looking 5th. at career awards. AL Cy Young Award 2015. Yeah, because it went in October. Yeah. Um, okay, so now let's go back to 2015. Now I'm really curious. Game journalism. Run. This is the quality huh? you get. This is the quality. No, you see, get okay. So I was, I was very, very close. I said it was a game in August. It was Jill. September 16th, and yep. he gave up nine earned runs to the Rangers. Dude, I said he gave up six runs in the first inning. He gave up six runs in the first inning. Nice. I. <laughs> Andrew is the author- Andrew is the authority on the Texas Rangers. If I would have said September, I would have been. Move over what's his name that you keep quoting stats from on Twitter. Exactly. Move over that guy. Man, okay. All right. Back back to the back to the podcast. I was just I had geek, to fact check it's it. A geek, it's a geek out moment. You know, we value yeah. authenticity here. Um, yeah. We want to make sure that you're getting the best quality information. So Exactly. Trust but verify. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I always say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, Yavaldi has been electric, man. His stuff. I mean, his fastball has been untouchable. And, you know, they talk through his, his strategy. You know, his first time through the lineup, you know, he's trying to get the fastball working. And, you know, then the second time as when he tries to get his like off speed stuff working. And so, like, each time through the lineup, you're see like, you know, you see a lot of pitchers get lit up, you know, starting second or third time. Mm-hmm. But by the time they come back around, it's like Yvaldi is a completely different pitcher. Yeah. Because he just knows how to work his stuff in different spots. And, you know, his approach to the game, you can just tell in, you know, his interviews, he's such a competitor. Um, so even Keel, you know, he was a little shaky early in the season. You know, he's kind of getting hit, but. I mean, you can't say that lately. I mean, he's just been electric every start, you know, that he's had. Like, even his, you know, but the start before the, you know, complete game shutout. I mean, he, uh, he's been great. Um, yeah. Can't say anything bad about him. You he's know who he has reminded me of this year? Not from a, from a physique standpoint, but from just the way he goes on the mound and just pounds his own and just, he's just, he's just a gamer. He's the he's Lance Lynn whenever he was yeah in in Arlington mm-hmm. and it just felt like he was just he was just a workhorse he's just going out there he's like mm-hmm. all right I'll give you seven innings one run like he's the only he, Lance it. Lance Lynn was the only bright spot there for a little bit yeah <laughs> well and that Mike Miner was not bad that no year. he wasn't hey that season but I that, was on that was I was on, I was on the pod that Mike Miner season oh Remember yeah the first iteration. Yes. I knew nothing. Oh my gosh. I feel so much more prepared <laughs> today than I did that time. Yeah, you've all like I said great. I said they were gonna sell Mike Miner at the deadline and they did not. 
and they did not. <laughs> I wish they they should have, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of pitching, Jacob Degrom, he left with an injury. You feared the worst because the worst with that injury, well, with what we Killed knew whenever vibe. he left, was crap. He just got Tommy John, but no structural damage, only right. inflammation. Thank the maker. Yes. And I think he's supposed to start throwing like next week or the week after or something. So I appreciate the abundance of caution, you know, cause he is experienced enough to know when something is wrong and yes. he is just as frustrated as the fans are. But I mean, I mean, Evaldi certainly takes the sting out of it, but you know, we yes. hope that DeGrom, I mean, you're obviously better with DeGrom in your rotation. It's not like a John Morant situation where they're better without him. <laughs> you know, this you, is a little, this is a little different. You just, you know how to, you know how to speak my love language on this there podcast. You there you go. <laughs> I got it. Talking up DeGrom, talking down John Morant. I, that I being love it. said, you know, in the wake of the DeGrom injury, Dunning has been good. He was great. And is what I mean, five, what, five innings? One, five shutout innings, right? A couple Ks, like one yeah. walk, and then like three hits or something like that. And, you know, his his bullpen, I mean, he's been good. I think he allowed a couple runs and one yeah. relief appearance. But, you know, he's been solid all season. And so I'm well, not particularly worried about I'm not worried about Dunning being the fifth guy in the rotation for a little bit. You know, it gives me a little bit more peace of mind with Ivaldi, you know, pitching the way that he is, and then Dunning, you know, continuing to perform well. Like it take. I mean, he's your big. Degrom is your biggest pitching asset. Take care yeah. of him. So, yeah, no, and I think <clears throat> that with Degrom, honestly, don't rush him back. Like this team is in first place still. They just. They just win series like Putting outside up like of six or seven runs a game. Second series of the season, they lost two of three to the, to Baltimore, and then they got swept by Cincinnati, which was weird. That was odd. They've other than that, they've won every series they've played. I mean, they split the little two game series with Arizona, so not a win or loss. Arizona's playing good ball. Yeah, I mean they're and against popping. their best pitcher too. They lit him up. Yeah, Zach Allen. Yeah, I mean they're yeah, yeah. they're one and a half games back of the Dodgers right now. Rangers are twenty and thirteen. They've got a two game lead over the Angels. They they start a series against the Mariners tonight as they we're just, recording this. They just started. Uh, so Mariners who we, just beat the beat the Astros in a series. Yeah, helping yeah. us. Out. Alex was happy about that. He was Astros this weekend. fourth place in the AL West right now. Yeah, the um, pardon pardon my language here. Oh wait, no, it's oh it's not the same anymore. Never mind. If you looked at, depending on which standings you look at, some standings have Houston third and Seattle fourth. And if you look at the standings like that, then it in reverse, it, it spells something. If you just look at the standings in reverse, but uh, you can go look at the standings at home and figure that out for yourself. Um, Austin <laughs> is currently trying to do it. I think he just got, I think he just got it. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, Yavaldi's been good. Dunning's been good. I know Perez just had a rough outing, but before that, he's been as reliable as, you know, a 1999 F-150. Just nice and stable. So uh, Honda Civic. 
baby. There you go. All Let's day. talk about an area of the pitching that hasn't been reliable. <laughs> what, what what am I referring to? Help me out here. Oh gosh. Does it have anything to do with the the first game of the Angels series? You know it does actually. It, I think it does. I think it has something to do with not the starting pitching. The starting pitching has been pretty good. I think it might have something to do with the bullpen emphasis on bull <laughs> lately. <laughs> that loss against the Angels was the bullpen's fifth time of blowing a late game lead in the last 13 games. And a lot of them have been three runs or more. Yeah. Notice the wording there. Fifth time with a late game lead, not safe situation. No, just a lead. lead. So it could be like that game where they had a six run lead going into the seventh. That was pain. And they lost. So Will Smith giving up three runs and then Spores or whatever his name is. I can't remember his name. Yeah. Walk off wild pitch. I was up. It was like 11.30 or 11.45 at night, and I was up. And I was thinking, I told Kaylee, I said, surely, surely they'll pull this out. <laughs> and I jinxed it. Famous last words. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. It was one of those where, you know, I was watching the game cast, and I was like, you know, it'll be fine. And then I saw it, 43, and I was like, crowd, I have to turn it on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the bullpen's the only, but you know what? I saw someone. They were make so this good point. to start the year. Mm-hmm. So good. But you know, there were question marks about them coming into the season. Yeah, there were. You know, it's not it's not a surprise to us. But I, I saw someone make this point on Twitter, which I th- I thought was very well said. It's a good sign that we're freaking out about the bullpen because that means our team is good. Mm-hmm. Like if the Rangers sucked. And the bullpen was bad, you wouldn't notice because you'd be like, well, they can't score runs. The starting pitchers can't go deep into the game. They I was like, you know, we were five down, down five after the third inning. Like, you know. yeah. But the fact that we're worrying about the bullpen and we're worrying about the bullpen and they've, they've blown five late game leads in the last two weeks and the Rangers are still in first place and they've won 20 games. Mm-hmm. They're good. Run differential is plus 85. Like the Rangers are good. Like that, like this is our biggest problem is that we've got some mm-hmm. shaky bullpen guys, but those are guys that are always available at the deadline. Didn't, didn't Trent take the under on the win total on the pod when we previewed yeah. the Rangers? He I takes the he, under on like any Dallas team. That's not the stars. So it wouldn't surprise me. I talked him into a second box of diapers. So that's nice <laughs> for the Cowboys, for the Cowboys win total. I almost yeah. gave him a win at the, like a win. To move the line, but I didn't. So that's neither here yeah. nor there. But yeah, the bullpen has some work. Uh, I I regret to inform Rangers fans that there's not some guy in the minor leagues that is going to get called up and throws a hundred. The Rangers, I think that's the biggest problem with the Rangers is all their relief pitchers. They don't throw hard. They mm. all throw ninety four, ninety five. Like if to be, to be a good bullpen and in the majors and in, in baseball this year, like, or in the current time, you got to have a flamethrower. Like you yeah. got to have one guy who can come in. You need Chapman pump triple digits, mm-hmm. whoever it is, whether it's Chapman or whoever. And I think that they can go get one of those guys at the deadline. I think they've got lots of prospects that they could move. 
So I'm not as worried about it, but it's something you're going to have to address because you can't have a shaky bullpen and go deep into October. It's nice to be win now. Isn't it? I didn't. And I wasn't sure we were going to be win now. You know, I thought it was going to be kind of win next year. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were, I mean, at the start any, of the season, any success this year was just kind of icing, you know? Yeah, we were talking about, well, you know, uh, 500, if they could be in wild card contention at the end, it's a long season, we know. But if they were, could be just a game or two back, you know, like mid September of the wild card spot, we weren't talking about division lead 33 games into the season. Yeah. And well, so and- this is just, yeah, it's icing, period. The thing is, is that the Rangers, they're 33 games into the season. And at some point, you can start to make opinions and assessments about how, how these teams are. They are based what they on are. It. Yeah. Like it's, in my opinion, I don't think it's too early Mm-mm. because they're at a 606 winning percentage right now which if they played that way for the entire season that's a 98 win ball club. And I just did the math real quick. If the Rangers went 500 the rest of the way, they'd still win 85 games. <laughs> like they that's still that's actually in the American League that's probably not a playoff team cuz I don't think 85 games wins, wins the division and with how good the AL East is, I don't think 85 wins gets you there. But yeah, like that's crazy. Like they could go 500 the rest of the way and still finish, you know, 85 and what would that be? 85 and 79? No, wait. It's 164. 162. Why are we so bad at math? Hold on. 77. 77. 77. 85 and 77. So they could go 500 rest of the way and still finish eight games over 500. Mm-hmm. Let's I not do that's, that. That's not nothing. No. Like, I I think this team has reasons to where if you're a Rangers fan and you're you're cautiously optimistic and you're scared to get hurt and you're like, let's not, you know, get ahead of our skis here. I think it's okay to get excited. They've shown that they can win two out of three consistently. And, you know, when you get swept by the Reds, you come back and you beat the Yankees three to one. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they have resilience when they lose and they can take series. And, I mean, that's if you can just take care of business twice out of three times every time, you're going to end up with a pretty good record and a pretty good shot at the division at the end of the year. And I'll say this. I think... I think one of the one of the things that has me feeling really good about this team is the level of professionalism in a few different spots. You have Bruce Bochy as a manager. You have Mike Maddox as your pitching coach. When they go through a, a rough stretch, I'm I'm okay to bank on those guys getting them through it. Mm-hmm. And in in the same light, Every single person, every single pitcher in the rotation, let's include DeGrom in this discussion. DeGrom, Yavaldi, Perez, Gray, and Heaney. All five of them have the capability to get the team back on track. Mm-hmm. Where the team skids and loses three in a row or something. 
any one of those five can be like, okay, well, the skit stops with me. I'm going to go out, throw seven shutout innings, and we're going to win this game. All five of those guys could be the second or third guy. I mean, like your bottom, you know, three guys could be the second guy on other rotations in the league. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think I think that's what's got me feeling confident. And also just like we talked about it. I mean, we were like gushing at the mouth, but the offense, dude. It's, <laughs> they, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how bad your defense bleeds if they hit know. early and they hit often, you mm-hmm. know? And we talked about the strikeouts, like they make pitchers work. Mm-hmm. It's not fun for these guys to face the Rangers lineup. Mm. It's not good for their, you know, Cy Young case at the end of the year. No. And we were talking about it like when, or we were texting about it and you mentioned it, like when Seager comes back, they're going to have a top seven out of, you can only bat nine. So top seven is, is pretty much the whole lineup of Simeon, Seager, Lowe, Garcia, Young, Heim, and Duran. Heim and Duran are six and seven. That's nuts. If you're the opposing pitcher, where do you catch a breath? Mm-mm. Well, and I mean, honestly, eight and nine, too. The way, you know, Tavares and Jane Cow, I mean, those guys can get hits anytime, too. Yeah. They're not, you know, they're not, I mean, so your first seven hitters are great and your last two are capable. Yeah. And just to think of those last two, if just one of them has a good game, then, oh crap, now we're back with Simeon. Like it just, the lineup turns over and now you're back in the gauntlet, you know? Yeah. Like if it's, you know, bottom of the ninth, you're down one and, you know, seven, eight, nine comes up. Like I'm still feeling like we got a shot. You know, I'm not feeling like, well, mail it in. Yeah. This, this season's been fun. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in the middle of their West Coast road trip right now. They just took two out of three from the Angels. They've got a three-game series against the Mariners starting D- on Monday night. Down one right now. Down one so far. Um, and then they go on and they play a four-game set against Oakland, uh, followed by and then they're they're gonna have they're gonna have some t- tough games coming up. So after the Oakland series, three-game set against the Atlanta Braves. Oh, uh, that'll be that'll then, be fun though. That'll be really fun. And then they've got, uh, they should catch a little bit of a break playing three against Colorado. And then they got a tough stretch where they go back to back on the road against Pittsburgh and Baltimore. <laughs> so this Baltimore team revenge is, series with the new layouts of the schedule, this team's going to get battle tested and they've been battle tested so far and they've done well. So I'm excited to see how, how the rest of the season plays out. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to hit on about the Rangers? I think we've pretty much covered it. I, you know, just whoever's listening, if you want to get into baseball, there has never been a more entertaining time to do it than mm-hmm. right now. You know, yeah. you will not you will not be bored. The games are shorter and faster paced and the Rangers are seven deep. So turn on the TV. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. If you're kind of on the fence about if you should get into this season, the next time the Rangers have a home game on a Sunday, turn on the TV, look at those gorgeous powder blues and watch them score eight runs and win the game. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do it in two and a half hours. And then talk to me if you're not, you know, 
What's the gladiator quote? Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? So this jump on the bandwagon now because I do think this team's going to be a playoff team this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's too early to say that at this point. If, and for a while. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it there. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Making the Call. I'll do the dad joke this week since Trent is not here. So Austin, I ask you, what genre are national anthems? What is it? Country. <laughs> that was so simple. <laughs> I, I, you were, I thought you were going to get it. Like <laughs> you're going to guess it. <laughs> That's great. That was pretty good. All right. That's going to do it for this week's episode of making the call. Thank you to Rosie for joining to talk about which teams we think can actually win the Super Bowl. Thank you for, to Austin for joining to just talk about these Texas Rangers. I feel like I could go another two hours just reading off stats and be like, Oh my gosh, look at this guy. Oh, look yeah, this we, got, done. we got a game to watch though. Yeah. We got to go watch it. I got to edit this podcast. Uh, thank you to everyone who tuned in on YouTube. Thank you to everyone listening to us in podcast form. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube. If you haven't done so already, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Make sure you go try liquid IV use code MTC at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. It's delicious. Go try it today. You're not going to, you will not regret it. Uh, I'll have a Substack post. No, I'm sorry. I was wrong. I had a Substack post on Saturday, this past Saturday, talking about the Cowboys draft. Uh, if you haven't read that, go check that out. Rosie will be back on the Substack this Friday. Oh, thank God it's updated, not me. <laughs> <laughs> with an updated top 25 rookie dynasty rankings Ooh, after the NFL draft. That's so fun. tune in for that. Um, other than that, yeah, enjoy all the sports. Enjoy the Rangers baseball. I hope everyone has a fantastic rest of your week. We'll see you next time.